Are we good? Okay. Hello, this is Doctor Barbara Kiel. Actually, a lot of my clients prefer to call me Doctor Bibi, and I quite like it, to be honest, because I think there is a ring to it, Doctor Bibi. Don't you think? Anyways, you are listening to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast which will show you how easy it is to be honest. What? You don't believe me? Well, stick around and let me give you the tools and knowledge. Hello, everyone. This is Doctor Baby, and welcome to my podcast. To be honest. Now let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart and close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. Take a deep breath in. And as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected, in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe, all is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in. Hold it for five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one, and exhale out loud. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. All right. First of all, I would like to thank the listeners who took the time to write to me. And gave me their feedback on the two episodes, the previous two episodes on domestic and family violence. So I really appreciate it. And out of those emails, I have chosen two questions that that they wanted me to further clarify, and they are coercive control. And learned helplessness. Now, if I have not chosen your question, don't worry. I will reply to your questions via your email. In other words, I'll make sure nobody is left behind. All right. First, let me start with what is coercive control. Well, let me apologize. Actually, I did cover. Uh, the behaviors and the symptoms of coercive control. I just did not use these two words. So, <laughs> let me just、uh, reiterate on what are some of the symptoms and the behaviors, abusive behaviors of coercive control. 
Now, for decades,、um, domestic abuse survivors have been reporting that the most difficult thing about domestic abuse is not necessarily the physical violence, like the bruised ribs, the broken jaw,、uh, chipped teeth, whatever it may be.、Uh, majority of them mentioned that the worst part. Is the psychological abuse, such as the manipulation and surveillance, the gradual isolation from friends and family,、uh, the rigid rules from their abusers, and degrading put-downs, humiliation, and threats. So let me quickly go through some of the、uh, behaviors or signs of coercive control that I did mention、um, in the previous episodes. One being monitoring your activities with family and friends,、um, the abuser constantly checking up on you. Constantly questioning your behavior, setting time limits when you are out with friends, or isolating you from friends and families, banning you from seeing certain people, and it could be your family members, stopping you from working in certain places or not to work at all. Uh, controlling how you spend your money, or worse, just give you an allowance, and that you have no access whatsoever to any of your finances. Controlling how you dress or style your hair, telling you what you should eat. Making disparaging comments about your figure, putting you down in public, repeatedly telling you that you are worthless, allowing you no privacy, damaging your property, or using children to report on you, getting angry at the slightest little thing, and it's always your fault. You are constantly living in fear of upsetting them, meaning the abusers. You have to do things in the particular way, or they will get angry. Your needs are not important and never discussed. So you could say all these behaviors that we call coercive control, or sometimes it's called intimate. Terrorism, because it chips away at your sense of safety and independence. The victim will feel as if they are being held hostage, or constantly walking on eggshells, or being smothered alive. It's almost like a psychological slow death for the victim. Unfortunately, coercive control is not a crime in Australia, not yet. Unlike some countries, 
they have introduced legislation that makes it a crime to commit coercive controlling behaviors against an intimate partner. And I believe uh, it is in England and Wales. They are the first to do so in 2015. And if I remember correctly, Scotland was in 2019. So I hope Australia will be next. Anyway, I hope I have clarified coercive control for my listeners. And now the remaining uh, 10 minutes or so, I shall move into uh, learned helplessness. So what is learned helplessness? Now, listeners, you have to understand that when bad things happen, we humans like to believe that we would do whatever necessary to change the situation. And research on what is known as learned helplessness has shown that when people feel like they have no control over what happens, after a while, they tend to simply give up and accept their fate. Now, learned helplessness occurs when an animal is repeatedly subjected to an adversive stimulus that it cannot escape. Now, the father of positive psychology, Martin Seligman, first observed learned helplessness when he was doing experiments on dogs. Now, I'm not going to share that experiment with you. Um, however, learned helplessness has also been documented when taking a look at elephants in captivity. So when baby elephants are first brought into captivity, they are tethered to the ground with a strong rope, right? So they're still baby, so strong rope will do the trick. However, when the elephant is full grown, the same chain, meaning using the same strong rope, is keeping him in place. Even though clearly now that he's a full grown elephant, he could easily break away. And the elephant has learned helplessness. That means why bother to try? I have tried so many years and I can't break it. So this phenomenon is called learned helplessness. So you may ask, how is learned helplessness related to domestic and family violence? Let me explain. Many of us have wondered, I'm sure, if a person is being abused, why don't they tell someone about it and get help? Or if it's an adult who is being hurt, who is being abused, why don't they leave the relationship? Well, it sounds like common sense, doesn't it? But the truth of the matter is, 
leaving an abusive relationship can be extremely difficult for both children and adults, and this is because abuse is not about harm; it is about power. So this is where the term "learned helplessness" is key. Imagine if you believe you are no good, and everything you do is inferior or wrong. You are likely to feel a huge loss of control over your life. If no matter how hard you try, you are still constantly receiving the message that your efforts are not good enough, strong feelings of helplessness and powerlessness are likely to surface. Because you do not feel that you have control to change the things in your life that are wrong, so if you do not have the power to change things for the better, right? Remember, like the elephant, it may feel easier to just resign yourself to the way your life is now. Furthermore. There is no guarantee that changes will be for the better. So this often results in the decision not to seek help, even if the victim has not been threatened by their abuser. "Quote unquote," not to tell anyone, right? The victim has learned that they are helpless to better their situation and give up trying. Therefore, not seeking help or pressing charges. So, what if you are abused as a child? Now, children with unreliable or ne- negligent caregivers. Now, neglecting your children is a form of abuse as well, right? Are most likely to develop learned helplessness. Researchers found those who grew up in institutions such as foster care showed signs of learned helplessness even as infants. Could you imagine? So now let me talk about some signs of learned helplessness in children. They don't ask for help. They easily feel frustrated. Um, they don't put much effort into their schoolwork. They give up easily. They have low self-esteem. They tend to have passive personalities.、Uh, they procrastinate, and also they have low intrinsic motivation. In other words, the motivation to engage in a behavior arises from within the individual because it is naturally satisfying、uh, to you. So, obviously, if you have learned helplessness,、uh, the intrinsic motivation will be quite low. So, how does learned helplessness affect children's mental health? 
Kids showing signs of learned helplessness are also more likely to have anxiety, depression, or both. Learned helplessness makes mental health issues worse because it leads people to feel like there is no point in doing anything to make their mental health better. So kids in this situation may refuse therapy or practicing new coping strategies that could help them feel better. And if there is no early intervention, these kids will grow up carrying learned helplessness into their adulthood and into their relationships. Well, to be honest. Research has already shown that the earlier we intervene, the more likely learned helplessness can be successfully decreased. So let me share some strategies uh, for overcoming learned helplessness. Make sure that we set kids up for success. Start small. Have your child do something you know they can do in a situation where they are likely to be successful. And once finished, when when they have succeeded, offer verbal reinforcement, meaning praises for their work. And this strategy helps build children's self-esteem. And shows them they can do things successfully. Verbal affirmation is very important. So trying your best is just as important, if not more important than actually succeeding. Teach your child that. So when you see your child studying hard for a test, or trying their best on a school project. Or practicing piano, or before a soccer game, praise them. Let them know. Do so when you notice the behavior. For example, oh, I am so proud of your hard work and commitment to your soccer team. You are a great teammate. Just by doing that, you are reinforcing the fact that it's not the winning that matters; it's the effort that you put in is key. Okay, in the last two minutes, I'm going to share with you: don't do things for your child that they can do independently. Now, if kids lack the skill to do something without help, then you absolutely should help them. However, sometimes we end up doing things for our children that they can do on their own. This happens for many reasons.、Um, it could just be the morning rush, right? You're running late. You don't have the time to wait for them to tie their shoes, or they may refuse to do certain things, and it's easier to do it for them. However, I want you to be really conscious as a parent. Whatever the case may be, giving your child independence helps them feel capable in all areas of life, not just when they are young, but all through their life. 
into adulthood. So on that note, I thank you for spending the time with me. And until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. Find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O.com. Mm-hmm.